Please be seated. Okay. So we're, uh, my microphone usually has a little black tip. I don't know if that matters or not. If it starts squealing at you in a minute, we'll know that it does. Um, We've got our, our fall food drive going on right now. And uh, what I would encourage you all to do is, is trick-or-treating is next, at least in UConn, it's next Saturday. I've seen a lot of argument on the internet about when the best time is to go trick-or-treating, whether it's on, on Saturday the 30th or Halloween the 31st. Uh, so I guess you have to have candy for both so you can satisfy all the people the, the day of and the day befores. Um, but for, to really stock the pantry... Uh, what I think we should do, and this is really advice for all of the kids, is when you go trick-or-treating next week, if you could just say trick-or-treat, and when they give you candy, say, uh, can I have something canned too, please? And then you can just bring all of that canned food up here the next day. Because who's going to say no to a little kid in a costume asking for some canned food? Uh, I don't think that'll happen. Uh, but we'll find out. So if that doesn't work, or if you don't want your kids to do that, you should go buy some canned foods and bring them up here and stock the pantry. It's a more traditional way of doing that. Uh, and we'll kind of really stock the pantry, uh, really bless a lot of people's lives in the next week or two uh, as we have an opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, as we're approaching the holidays, and, and I don't actually mean Halloween when I say that, but Thanksgiving and, uh, and Christmas, uh, one of the things that becomes a real challenge for lots of people is, is if they've experienced the loss of a loved one and as they're going through grief. Uh, and we're going to be having here at Northwest here in the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be starting a, a one-day, uh, two-hour grief seminar on, on how to, to endure grief during the holidays. Uh, but then after that, we're going to be starting a grief share program that's going on on Sunday afternoons here at Northwest uh, through probably February or March. It's going to go through the whole program. Uh, and Betty Nassie and Cindy Woodard are going to be heading up that group and that effort. Uh, and Betty, if you don't mind coming um, up, and if you'll give us this kind of conversational mic. Put it at your height here. Um, I want you to share with us a little bit about why we're doing this, what it is, uh, why, why a grief seminar, why the holidays? Okay. Well, recently, Cindy Woodard and I were, were uh, discussing all the recent losses that's happened to people here in the, con in the congregation just in the last several months. And with the holidays approaching, I know how difficult it can be when all the world is, is celebrating and putting up decorations and going to parties and you just want to go to sleep and wake up after it's over or maybe even not wake up at all. So we just started rolling ideas around in our mind. How can we help uh, people get through these holidays and then also in the upcoming months, what can we do to help help them in this in this time when they need uh, support? So, uh, and you know, God heard our hearts, and He just started making plans just fall into place, and so that's how this all came about. Yeah. So you've had experiences with grief in the past. Why does it matter to have experienced grievers guiding you through grief? Because they can understand the pain, 
their pain's going to be different because the circumstances are different, but they know the pain, which everybody who's lost somebody that they really love, they know pain. And so th that helps. Uh, those people can understand. Yeah, it's, it's a journey that no one wants to go on, but once you've been on it, you can be a guide for other people that are on it, right? Yes, uh, yeah. And you've done grief share groups in the past? Yes, uh, it's been quite a while uh, since we've done that, but there is some material out there called grief share, and I've used that before. Um, this is would be for the weekly group. They um, produce videos and workbooks, and so those tools, along with the conversation with others that are are trying to heal, and uh, it's it can be a real healing process. And so that's what we're going to use is these these uh, grief share materials, and just be with one another and and uh, support one another. And this will go on for uh, probably twelve weeks, thirteen weeks, something like that, or maybe even longer. Who knows at this yeah. point? And anybody who's suffered a loss would be welcome. If it's a personal loss, whether this year, next year, last year, or years in the past, if you're still really trying to come to terms with that loss, that, that weekly uh, that weekly group is for you. The seminar will be for anyone that wants to help others, that right. the grieving, or maybe they just want to, you want to help somebody that you're close to or that you know, or you just want to learn more about it. Yeah. If you just want to level up your life skills, you can yes. come to that one. Yes. So we'll have Dr. Charles Ricks is the Dean of the Humanities and Bible Department at Oklahoma Christian. Uh, he's our main guest speaker for that one. That's on November 14th from two to four. Um, Dr. Ricks is brilliant, um, but is also someone who's walked down the journey of grief before and is an excellent guide uh, for people who want to talk about it. He'll be talking some specifically about the holidays as well. Right. And he's he's experienced it. He knows. And now he wants to help others to get through, uh, to, you know, to alleviate the pain. Yeah. It, it's all free. Yes. Um, and it's not just for members. It's for anyone. So if you know someone else that's experienced a loss, um, if you're inviting someone, I would encourage you to consider coming with, with them, them the first time and introducing yes. them and sitting with them as they kind of begin that journey. Um, and then maybe launching them into that uh, if it's not your grief as well. Yeah. Yeah. We we want people to come, whether they're members of the congregation or not. Just right. invite your friends that you know it would help. Okay. Thanks, Patty. Uh, so that's what's coming. And that's why we're talking today about what, what good grief is. Um, and, and, you know, as the last couple of weeks, we've been really talking about faith path. And as, as in the last week or so in the office, we've been talking about the grief seminar and grief share coming up at Northwest. You know, one of the things that, that I think is important is that we teach our children how to grieve. And we don't usually think about that. We usually think about protecting our kids from suffering, protecting our kids from harm, making sure that they don't have to go through things. And we really want to just build a hedge and a fence around our kids and say, no suffering and no pain allowed here where my children are. Unfortunately, pain is coming in life. Loss is coming in life. And we can't be there with our kids to always make sure that they don't have to go through tough stuff. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if, if you could always, every day for your child's life, all the way through their 50s and 60s, hold their hand as they walk across the street. You wouldn't have to take the time to teach them street safety, right? 
how to use the crosswalk and how to look for cars. But because we know that a day is coming when our child will want to cross the street without us, we go ahead and teach them to look both ways and how crosswalks work. And when it comes to grief, we need to teach our kids how to deal with suffering and loss. And so I really feel like this is part of that ongoing conversation about how grief is something that doesn't just belong in the church, it belongs in our houses. And it belongs in our families. And so we're going to be talking about that some a little bit as well. But as we begin today thinking about what grief is, the question really is, what, what is it? Does it just mean sadness? And to some extent it does, but it really means a lot more than that. Um, God gave us emotions. That may come as a surprise to a few of you who believe that, that God gave us rationality and no feelings, but God gave us emotions. It's part of how he created us. They were gifts that he gave us so that when good things happen in your life, you should celebrate. If someone won the lottery and went, eh, oh well, we would look at that person and say, there's something in you that's broken. If something terrible happens to you, you get fired from a job that you loved, or you're going through a season of, of instability in your life, or you lose a loved one, and you kind of go, eh, I'm thankful for this day. We should look at that person and say, you're kind of crazy. God gave you joy to respond to good things in life. He gave you grief and sorrow to respond to bad things in life. And it doesn't mean that grief isn't complex and complicated and you don't experience so many things. You do. It is a very complex and complicated thing. Uh, but grief is intended to be part of our, uh, our soul's path towards healing after we've experienced a loss. It is a healing process. And that's so important in our world that thinks that sadness and feeling bad should be avoided at all costs. We need to know that grief is a good and healthy process that allows us to heal after losing something that is of great value to us. You know, another way of thinking about grief for kids, and this is a little bit of a technical definition, I guess, uh, but there's experts in child grief say that it's not just responding to a loss in your life, but for kids, grief is the difficult feelings that are caused by a change or an end in familiar patterns of behavior. I want you to think about that for a second. For children, they often experience grief simply for having a significant change in their regular patterns of behavior. Now think about what we've experienced in our country and in our world in the last two years. You think kids aren't struggling with grief? Uh, our world is in a state of turbulence and grief right now, and we've lost so much of the ability and the language to talk about suffering and to talk about how things are difficult. And our kids, we need to be talking to them about dealing with the difficulties in their world and dealing with the changes and dealing with the disruptions, because all of those things have a cause. All of those things come with very real challenges. And so for adults, grief is often brought on by the loss of a loved one, the end of a career, the closing uh, of a relationship through divorce or death or otherwise, or, uh, or the loss of uh, a dream that someone has had. If you've wanted to do something for your entire life, and at some point in your adult life you realize that that is no longer on the table for you to do, you can grieve that dream even though it never existed. For kids... It comes in different ways. Maybe the loss of a pet or a treasured toy or stuffed animal. They can grieve moving to a new home. 
They can grieve a change in the family dynamic, whether that's through addition or subtraction. They can grieve uh, the death of a loved one. Any significant change in their lives can bring about some level of grief in the life of children. And we could, as I mentioned, we could just wrap our arms around our kids and tell them, just feel better, cheer up, don't worry about those things, here's ice cream. And our kids would smile and feel better. But that's not the best opportunity. These little griefs that children experience are little opportunities for us as parents to start teaching our kids how to deal with loss and suffering in their lives. It's an opportunity for us to tell them how to sit with their feelings and talk about them and think about them and think about the meaning of those things. And so when your kid loses a pet, don't go rush out as soon as you can and try and find the pet that most looks like the one that died and replace it so that you can rush right out of those feelings, right? And I've, I've been there before. Uh, my family had a... <laughs> I wasn't going to tell this story, but here it is. Uh, one year for Christmas, my family got a cat right at the beginning of Christmas break. Uh, I won't... No, not that cat. No. My family's not good with cats, it turns out. This is when I was in third grade. <laughs> when I was in third grade, we got a cat named Belle, and we named her uh, Belle. She was a very cute little cat. Uh, and Belle went exploring in places that Belle should not have been exploring. And so Belle did not survive all of Christmas break. Uh, but Belle was our Christmas present. And so my parents wanted to get us another cat to replace Belle as quickly as possible. And so we went out and got Belle the second, uh, which was exactly like the first one in all the ways except one. Uh, we had a boy tomcat named Belle uh, for the rest of uh, my adolescence. That cat lasted a long, long time, ended up uh, passing away in another state somehow. Um, so that opportunity to, to grieve that pet it was maybe missed. Don't go do that. Take an opportunity with your kids to talk about the loss and to talk about the emotions and talk about the feelings. We've had funerals for fish at my house. Um, when my kids break a toy, we look at that as a learning opportunity, not just to learn don't break your stuff, but to talk about the loss of things and how not all things last forever in a way of, of sharing how it makes us feel and experiencing those loss. I, I want my kids in little ways to learn about grief and loss so that when big losses come in their future, they've already got that tool, set of tools built up to deal with those things. Uh, we need those kinds of things. You know, every person grieves in their own way, and you cannot compare grief. This is really, really important. Uh, when you've experienced significant grief, there's a real tendency if you've lost someone in your immediate family and someone else's dog dies, you want to go to them and say, uh, be quiet, it's a dog, get another one. I lost a family member. Is that true that your family member matters more to you than their pet did to them? Yes, that's just true. People matter more than animals. Um, if that's a controversial statement to you, just know that God ordered creation in a certain way and it ends with humans on top, okay? That's just it. That's just it. Um, and, and you know it's true because after the flood, he says you can eat them and they shouldn't eat you. It's, it's just settled, okay? Um, so grief is, is experienced, however, not to say that all things that cause grief are equal in value, but all grief is experienced at 100%. You cannot be a little bit grievy. That's not a thing. 
And so whenever you go into this process of dealing with loss and change in your life, you fully engage in it. There is no way to tiptoe your way through it or just kind of put your toes in the water of grief. You go all the way in and you have to go through the process once you're all the way in, no matter what. So you can't compare uh, one person's grief to another in that way. You have to go through the process and do the work. And yet, even while all grief is different and everyone grieves in their own way, and I really do mean that, every person has their own timeline. Some people want, want to memorialize their loss. Others want to quickly move beyond it and remove the things that visibly remind them of it. Uh, others want uh, to talk about it often. Others want to never talk about it. It is unique to every single person. And yet, the tasks that you have to accomplish when you're going through that process have been shown to be very consistent for humans. There's something about the gift of grief that God has given us that takes us through a set of steps that add value to having experienced grievers guiding you in the journey because they've walked through the steps before. They know that often at the beginning of grief comes denial and isolation. I'm okay. I don't need you. I'll get over this. Leave me alone. And you just want to, to be in bed. You just want to act like nothing has gone wrong. And at some point, and it's important to know that these steps are not linear. Uh, you can go back and forth. It's not like, whew, I finished step two. Now never going back there again. Guess what? You probably will a little bit. They're not linear. You can go back and forth. It's more like a roller coaster uh, than a trip. Uh, after denial is anger. After anger is bargaining. After bargaining is depression. After depression, eventually those who have walked the walk and done the work can move towards acceptance. And if you're thinking, man, he's just skimming over this. I wish he would spend more time on it. Then go to the grief seminar. This is what it's about. It's going to be getting into the, the, the meat of this. But there's no timeline and there's no way to say, if I just wait this out, will it just go away? It won't. You have to do this work and accomplish these tasks or you can get stuck stuck in what some people call depression or what others might call complicated grief, where you're just still in the mud of it all and you can't find your way out of it. And it's incredibly difficult for us today is because even though study after study has shown that good grieving happens in safe small groups with people you trust, and it happens when you talk about it, all the myths of our world tell us to not go through those processes. All the myths that are kind of dominant, unspoken things of like the rules of dealing with, uh, with loss in our world tell us to do the opposite of what is actually healing for us. So here's what you need to know. And if you've totally lost me, hear, hear this. If there's anything in your life that is important on your inside and you're not talking about whatever that is, that unspoken truth owns you. So if you have sin or struggles, or if you've got temptation, or if you've got shame, or if you've got a lack of forgiveness, and you're not telling anyone about it, or even if you have suffering and grief, and you're not talking about it, it owns you. But there is something, and this isn't just scripture, it is in scripture, but it's also just in science, and we know this in the world, there is something about speaking about your temptations, your struggles, your sufferings, and your, your griefs and your losses that allows you to own them. Oh, yeah. 
And when you don't speak about it, it owns you. And when you do speak about it, you begin to own the story. And you make it part of your history and your life. And you take ownership of it. And you get control back for the things that you've been through. And yet, while we know that that's true from study after study and research after research and person who has been experienced and blessed by knowing that that's true, what our world tells us is here's some lies that our world gives us about grief. Don't feel bad. Cheer up. Cheer up. It's been a few weeks since the funeral. Uh, let me, I just want to cheer you up a little bit. I just want to help you get happier. I just want to help you replace the loss. Aren't you ready to move on and and to find a new friend or a new loved one? Aren't you ready? Uh, You've lost so much. Maybe you lost your home. Aren't you ready to just get a new house and forget all the feelings that came from the loss of that past home or a past job that you loved and coworkers you loved? Uh, Just replace the loss. Grieve alone. Listen, if you want to be happy, go do that in the living room. If you want to cry, go do that in your bedroom. If you want, and parents, this is important. Your kids need to see you cry sometimes. If you're sad, don't fake cry. No one wants that. But if you're sad and you're feeling a loss of something in your life, let your kids see you feel sad about it. If you go to your room and they hear you crying in your room alone every time you have to go through suffering and difficulty, you know what you're teaching them to do in a few years when they're teenagers and they're going through suffering and difficulty? You're teaching them to go to their room and not talk to you about it. If you want them to to understand that dealing with suffering and loss and grief is a thing that our family does together, then you're going to have to model that in age-appropriate ways. I mean, don't give them all the garbage but let them see you suffering and invite them into the feelings and trust them enough that they'll trust you later. Do not grieve alone. There's times that I'm at funerals and and there'll be a family that's kind of up in the front and and they're not crying. And and someone will say, you'll hear someone in the back or someone uh, in the, the lobby afterwards, boy, they didn't cry. They are so strong. And it just shows how much we buy into these myths, right? There is strength in being honest about hurting with people you trust and love. There is strength in being transparent about uh, about things being bad. Sometimes the the weaker thing is to say, I'm just going to check out of all this and not feel any of it, not let anyone in and hide and grieve alone and, and pretend that none of this is real. It takes strength to let your your vulnerable losses out in the midst of people you trust. world tells you to keep busy, keep Netflix on, video games playing, friends coming in the door, cooking, cleaning, do all the things until you're exhausted and then pass out, wake up, and start over. You can do that until your body gives out, but it won't help you move through the tasks of grieving. And if your plan is to just not think about it till it goes away because time heals all wounds, what you'll find is that it doesn't. It just doesn't. There is something that is required about going through the grieving process that you cannot just skip by not paying attention to it for long enough. Time does not heal all wounds. And so as parents, when our kids experience little grief, the death of a pet, 
the loss of a special toy, changes in schools, friends moving away. Don't push these myths about grief on them. When your kid's best friend moves to another state, don't say, oh man, let's go get you something with a cherry on top because I don't want to feel your feelings. Talk to them. How does that make you feel? What can you do to feel differently? How can you change uh, what's going on? Maybe there's nothing you can do to change it. Talk to your kids about where they are and how they're feeling. Don't tell them, that's okay, you'll get new friends. They will, and we know that that's true, but let them process what they're going through. Don't tell them, cheer up, replace the loss, grieve alone, be strong, keep busy, and time heals all wounds. Take these little opportunities as moments to tell your kids, let's sit with this discomfort for a while and talk about it. Let's be relational. Remember that all grief is experienced at 100%, and you have a chance to help them process their feelings and emotions. For adults, when you have people who have experienced grief before or are going through it now, they can help you get through it. You really do need guides. And, and if, if you're trying to get as strong and physically fit as you possibly can, there's a certain amount that you can do on your own, but there's a point that you need to get someone that really understands the physical side of the body to get you the rest of the way there. If your body is sick, you don't just get on, I mean, you may get on Wikipedia, but you should go see a doctor and figure out what's actually going on. They've done the work to understand your body. When it comes to grief, there are people who have done the work who can help you get the healing that your spirit and your soul and your emotions and your heart need. Don't try to tough it out alone. Get the help that helps. And there are, uh, these are some of the reasons we're putting on the grief seminars. We want to support people who are interested in doing the tasks of resisting the lies that our world says about grief and doing the work to get through this towards acceptance and healing and health. It's what family does. There are people, and, and this is important, if you're here right now and you think, man, my grief happened a long time ago, but I'm kind of stuck in it. I'm stuck in, in some complicated grief or depression. Here's some of the symptoms, just so you know, uh, when you need to get out of this, I can just tough my way through it and get some help. You need to get help if your lethargic, I don't care attitude has endured and become normal for you. You need to get help if your lack of interest in activities that you normally enjoyed is no longer enjoyable to you over a long period of time. If you've had significant weight loss or gain as a result of using food or other things to, to treat the symptoms of your grief rather than doing the grief work. Significant changes in sleep patterns, increases or decreases in, in the amount of activity that you have or the times you leave your house, complaints of exhaustion or weariness every day, low self-esteem, if life just seems like it doesn't matter anymore, if you can't concentrate or focus or have uh, changes in, uh, for kids, changes in their grades that are dramatic and sudden and unexplained, get into that. Find out what's going on and causing them trouble. Recurring thoughts about death or suicidal um, imagining or gesturing, you need to get in and explore that uh, with people that are professionals that can help you work through some of that. When these things come up and you can't get past them, reach out to a counselor, minister, shepherd, or another loved one that can help you get the help that you need to get through that kind of stuff. 
there's three things in Scripture that I want to offer you. We've really kind of talked about more of the clinical and, and real side of this. I want to give you a few Scriptures to kind of think about as we, we move through this, because God's Word speaks truth and blessing into every moment of life from birth to death and even after. And so we see in the Psalms that in the Psalms, the lament Psalms, if you're not familiar with that term, um, there's 150 Psalms, 40% of them are what we call laments. And a lament Psalm says, God, things in my life stink and I don't like them and I want you to change them and I'm going to be mad until you do. And if you do, I'll do this as a result of that. And they end in a statement of faith. And so you have the Psalm that that was read earlier uh, this morning. Psalm 13 is one of the most important prayers in my personal prayer life because it taught me that if I want to be honest with God on good days, I have to find my way to be honest with God on bad days. And we're not good at this. We're not good at this. This is really important for you to know that in in the Psalms, 40% of the Psalms are laments. In our songbooks today, I think it's about 7%, somewhere between 5 and 10, depending on, on what you count. We've lost this commitment to, as communities, speaking our difficulties out loud in ways that can be transformational and blessings to us in dark days. And so let me tell you, if you're at a funeral and your prayer life begins, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, the rest of that prayer is going to sound pretty shallow because you're not being honest with God about what you're going through. So Psalm 13 is one of these psalms that has something to offer us on the dark days. And before I start, I want, I want to tell you that one of the things that you need to know about almost all of the lament psalms, there's one or two where this isn't true, but in almost all of them, they end with a powerful statement of faith. And it could come across as a lack of being genuine in a dark moment. But what I think that you'll find is if you really engage with the lament psalms in a tough day, that what happens is when you go to someone and you cry it out with them, When you go to someone and you wrestle through the tough stuff, at the end of those conversations and those moments, your relationship with them is stronger than it was before. And that's true with God too. When we go to God and we say, God, I trust you and I don't trust anyone else, so I've got to come to you and tell you that I think you're the only one that can change what's going wrong. You're the only one who can get me through this tough moment. It's a statement of faith and not a statement of doubt. Here's Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I've overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. He's been good to me. For Israel, this was part of their worship. When they would come together and worship, they just prayed these prayers and sang these songs, and they knew the stories that on dark days we go to God, and God gets us through it. He got us through it in the past, and He'll get us through it again. And that language helped them to endure unbelievable difficult days. 
It's not part of our worship anymore. We have very few songs that do that in our worship, but it is part of our communities. We do it through grief share. We do it through support groups. We do it through prayer ministries and card ministries that speak to people in their tough times and say, listen, we're here if you want to talk about this. And I've been through it before. If you want to walk with me through it in this season, let's walk together. That is the community of lament, even where we lack the songs. And so we need to recapture that language of being able to speak tough things in the presence of our brothers and sisters, because what is spoken, we begin to own, whereas what is unspoken continues to own us. And we also know that Jesus in John... Uh, in John's gospel, he has the moment at Lazarus' tomb where he sees Mary and Martha's grief, and he knows that he's about to tell Lazarus to get out of the tomb and everything's going to be better. But what we see is that in that moment, Jesus weeps. And he weeps because he has so much compassion for them and empathy for them. And we don't have a Messiah who is sitting on a throne going, don't worry about it, it gets better. And sometimes we give that encouragement to each other. Uh, Things are tough right now, but don't worry about it, it gets better. Things are difficult right now, but don't worry about it. Lazarus is about to get out of the tomb. We have a Messiah who, even though he knows that he's won the victory and don't worry about it, gets better, is true, weeps with us when we're suffering. And he has compassion on us in our tough moments. And Hebrews tells us that we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because Jesus walked down the paths we walked down and Jesus endured the things we endure. He's been down that road before. And so when you're going through a season of suffering, you're not praying to a God who doesn't understand what you're going through. You're praying to a God whose son died on the cross and who walked in the world that we live in and struggled in the ways that we struggled and suffered in the ways that we suffer. So when we go to pray to him, he says, I know. I know. I remember. I weep with you. Even though it gets better, I weep with you because you're suffering in this moment. We receive comfort because we know Christ was a sufferer like we are today. He understands. And the last thing I want to leave you with from Scripture is this. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4 where Paul gives some instructions to Christians. And he says, listen, I need to talk to you about the ones of you who are already dying before Jesus comes back. Uh, They're dying before Jesus comes back. And we didn't think that was going to happen, but now it's happening. Here's what you need to know. We don't have to grieve like the world grieves. So we don't have to grieve like the world grieves because we know this is temporary and that when Jesus comes back, we're all going to be back together again. So it's not goodbye, it's see you later. And we talk about this all the time at funerals, but it's very real. But here's the thing I want to add. What Paul is not saying is Christians shouldn't grieve. He just says our grief is different. It's just different. We still, as Christians, experience grief at 100%, just like everyone else does. It still has healing blessings in it for us, just like it does for everybody else. The difference is we know that what's causing our grief is temporary, and what will relieve it is permanent. That changes it. You still have to go through the grief. You just have to know that it's the cause of it will eventually go away when Jesus makes it all right again. That lets us have joy even in the midst of going through the healing tasks of grief.
uh, if you or anyone you know is going through this, and here's my moment of confession. When I had my greatest losses in my life, I did not go to any support groups uh, because I was worried that if I went to a support group as a minister that I would just end up helping people, or at least that was my excuse. So I didn't go. Um, I, what I did is I went and found a book by C.S. Lewis called A Grief Observed, where he journaled through his grief. And so I let his like book be a journal for me. If you're as nerdy as I am that you think that might work, it was a decent replacement for me for having good guides leading me through grief. But in reality, what happened is I ended up, uh, God said, you think you don't want to end up in a support group? Here's a prank. I'm going to put you in a class on Psalms on Monday nights at Oklahoma Christian University. For me, the Psalms and my classmates, Blake Jackson, who's later become one of my closest friends, in part because of the conversations he and I were having about grief during that season, when I just wanted to talk about Psalms, turns out Psalms deals with grief. God took me out of my refusal to be in a support group and dropped me in a Bible class that became my support group because he knew I needed it. If you're dealing with these losses in your life, you need it too. And you don't have to do it. You can try and get through it on your own and you might be successful and you may come to some place of healing and health and acceptance. It's a gift that God brings to lots of different people in lots of different ways. But if you're really struggling and you don't want to do it alone, especially during the coming season, we've got some people that want to walk with you. And I recommend that you be there because you're going to not only be blessed, but the way that being part of a grief group works is you do get to be a blessing to others. And there's healing in that too. All of this is true because God gave us a family. All of this is true because God sent his son to die on a cross to save us from our sins. All of this gives us hope because that death on a cross gives us the opportunity to receive Jesus and receive the gift of eternal life. Knowing that that eternal life is real allows us, even when we grieve, to know that it's only temporary. Because it's the things of God and the things of heaven and the things of salvation and the things of Jesus that are truly eternal. This morning, as we've been talking about all this, and I know that it's been a little bit heavy, but here's the hope that's in the midst of all of it. If you need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that because God's Son came down and lived among us and experienced what we experienced, that because He was then emptied out, being obedient to death on a cross so that we might be saved, if you need to respond to that gospel today, what you're doing is you're trading the temporary for the eternal. You're saying,